Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everyone, and welcome to State of State. This podcast is presented by Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting, plus your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Get into the action today. Head to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to join. And be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. State of State is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. Also, State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fearlessness of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. All sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. Looking ahead to Penn State football's 2023 schedule, of course, we could go game by game and give you our win-loss projections, but what Justin and I want to do today is dive into the matchups within each game that are really going to make or break things for the Nittany Lions on the field. That's going to be critical. There's just so much that can change between now and November, December, January, if we're lucky. And it's, you know, like I would love to do the projection thing, but I really think there's a lot of integral matchups that Penn State has to be aware of going into this season. So uh, we're going to go game by game. But I think the big question looming over this season, and it can be kind of the, you know, 30,000 foot view, Justin, a lot of it. A lot of questions are going to quarterback Drew Aller. We anticipate he's going to be the starter. Uh, Bo Perbula and him are in a battle in camp, uh, will be in a battle in camp rather, and it's probably going to be decided by week one. At least the answer will be given by week one from James Franklin. However, are there points in this season that, that is you're looking ahead that you're like, hopefully Drew Aller, the, the five-star big time hyped up quarterback shows up or is it something where you can have a more realistic view and be like, man, this guy has 60 to 65% completion percentage, two to one touchdown to interception ratio. This team is good. What do you think? I think what you, I think what you just said is the, is the key, right? Not that he's a game manager, but he's essentially an efficient game manager that can make big plays. I think that's what, that's what you would want. Drew Aller, especially in his first starting season with the weapons around him. And things of that nature, obviously, you want probably a better uh, interception ratio than that. But I think that's that's a that's a nice target point for a first year starting quarterback. That is something I am directly ripping that off of the voice of the Nittany Lions, Steve Jones, who I've spoken to before, because those were the anticipations. Those were the stats that he anticipated and hoped to see of Sean Clifford in 2022 and to Steve's credit and to Sean's credit that's about what Sean Clifford did in 2022 so I know there's a lot of people out there that are hoping to see something drastically different with Drew Aller and in Bo Perbula for that matter but the likelihood of the projections and the, the production being very similar I, I think people need to make sure they don't rule that out entirely that's right. that's the thing I want to temper expectations you know what no, I mean? that's i mean it's, it's a completely different game when the bullets are flying right like like to say like there were live live blitzes and different coverages and people are scheming against you and 
but he has some nice weapons. Like we talk about the the dual, the running backs, the aces at the tight end position, and a stable of receivers that we get a chance to have a coming out party or live up to the billing. I'm excited to see what the receivers do, but let's let's go game by game. So obviously, Penn State opens up the season on September 2nd uh, against West Virginia. That's going to be in prime time, 7:30 p.m. Eastern on NBC. Looking at this West Virginia team, they are projected to finish dead last in the Big 12. Head coach Neil Brown is not necessarily thrilled with that projection. Uh, They did have wins against Oklahoma and Oklahoma State in the back end of last season. Again, it's a completely different year, so it's very difficult to project these things. They believe they have a stud at running back developing. Uh, I believe his name is C.J. Donaldson. Uh, If I have that name wrong, forgive me. But they are also going to be very green when it comes to quarterback. They had some turnover of that position last year. Graham Harrell was the offensive coordinator. He has since bounced, and now Neil Brown is back to calling plays. From my perspective, I, I do think Penn State wins this handily. I think it's competitive for uh, a quarter, two quarters, but you should see Penn State flex a little bit. And even if this is something where Penn State isn't running away with it, this should be Penn State's second half and just kind of getting settled in. Uh, when you look at this matchup, what is the primary battle on the field that you think is going to make or break the game? Oh, man, starting this season, I mean, I think you got to always talk about offense and defensive line, right? Because when you think of just the skill positions and things on the perimeter, it takes some time to get the hang of things and um, timing, expectations, and all those different things on the external piece of the offense and defense. But we talk about upfront play, offensive line, defensive line. I think that'll be critical, especially with this offensive line coming into this season and starting to set the tone from a toughness standpoint with the running backs and with the tight end and just making sure that you're easing the offense into the season where you're having Drew with a high confidence level, right? Like efficient passes, good in third and four, third and three manageable type of situations to where you can continue to progress the sticks. And I think the offensive line will be a key piece in that opening game because that's your stabilizer, especially it being a night game. Everybody's want to be a little bit uh, so kind of amped up, right? So got to make sure that everything is in line. And I think you start, that starts with the upfront with the offensive line. I could see this, you know, coming back to Drew Aller, I could see this going a number of different ways. And like I said, I want to temper expectations, but, you know, assuming he's a starter, of course, I could see this being anywhere from a real clunky first couple of quarters and then a nice smooth second quarter to fireworks in the first half and then a quiet second half. Like it, it, it feels like it could be bipolar in that respect but if you lean on the backs kind of like you said you feel a little more comfortable man i know it's like the time of devaluing running backs right like guys dude you guys shout, in the shout nfl out to saquon man we got, we got yeah. to touch on it but it's like yeah when you talk about having special running backs or a stable of running backs and the dynamic that it brings to a football game i mean it's a level of toughness and it's hard playing defense when you have threats at running back and receiver because it just changes the tempo of the game when you have to play sound football. It wear you down. And every every once in a while, they can split a long run. So I think that would be critical, especially having two elite running backs um, like Katron and, and Nick Singleton up there, even in an age of the devaluing of the running backs. I think they'll be know. very valuable with this offense. They're, they're, not to completely get sidetracked, but there has got to be something done by either the, the Players Association in the National Football League or these individual players banding together. I, I don't know what the answer is, but these running backs coming out and taking the league by fire in a year, two years, 
and not getting paid what they're worth for that amount of time. I understand from a business standpoint, it's the right thing for these teams and the leagues and that they're getting a cheap product. But you you can't look at the game of football. Like if you eliminated the running back position, that it's not the same. This isn't the same game. And there's a lot of teams that cannot afford to have no running game. I mean, there, there really have not been that many examples where it was a pass-first offense and virtually no running game that won a Super Bowl. It, it's very, very rare. Patrick Mahomes. He's got some <laughs> running game. It's some, not. It's yeah, got, he had a little he got bit. Pacheco and company, and that they he chipped had, in had a little bit. He had a yeah. little bit. But with oh, the that's production, were favorite. like if the production were like 80, 20, 70, 30, it's like it's still those teams. It's a rarity that they win. But it, yeah. it is, especially get down in November and December. I mean. It's the statewide. What you laying out? You talk about your bread and butter in football. Like, mm-hmm. gotta have a nice running game. It starts up front, but it gets cold in December. <laughs> yeah. Hey, as a Philadelphia Eagles fan, we love to run the football. So you know, <laughs> there you go. Um, okay, back to Penn State. Sorry about that. Uh, the West Virginia game. Also, West Virginia was second to last in the Big Twelve in terms of uh, points surrendered on defense, only to Kansas. I don't anticipate that necessarily getting better. Like I mentioned, that the churn in the coaching staff, I don't necessarily think is going to uh, complement them in recruiting what they're able to field this year. Like I said, I, I expect this to be competitive in the first few quarters because this is the proverbial preseason game in a lot of ways. You're shaking off rust, and you know what that's all about. How difficult is it to get going in those first few quarters in week one? Oh, it's not hard to get going. It's hard to like be right and on point, right? Because you're kind of amped up. Hopefully guys are keeping their juices at a nice even level so they're not getting too tired out in the first couple quarters. But it's really like getting the groove of things, right? Like you've been practicing in the offseason, 707. And now even with camps, how they come up to the first game, you're not tackling as much as you did prior. So like making sure that that timing of tackling is on point and like that contact the contact aspect of football, those are the pieces. That's why I say you want to establish the running game early. Like, make sure. Let's see if let's see if West Virginia's been doing tackling drills because I doubt they have been to the point to tackle these type of guys on the beginning of the game. Literally opening the season against arguably the best running back tandem in America. Not great. It's not. not great. It's not. It's not the best. Not when guys don't do as many tackling drills and <laughs> during training camp. Yeah, Um, I like Penn State's chances altogether in this, in case that wasn't abundantly obvious. Sure. Uh, Week two at home, September 9th uh, against Delaware. Uh, I I don't want to really spend too much time on this, and this is no disrespect to the Delaware Blue Hens. I watched them play in person last year against the University of Maine in Orno, Maine, as a matter of fact. Right. Uh, They are without quarterback Nolan Henderson, who's moved on, and they are going to have to replace his production. I believe he had... 36 total touchdowns that he accounted for last year so that that's not easy especially when you're walking into a game like this where you are double digit maybe three to four touchdown underdogs something like that um you've played in games like this i can't remember the opponents that you would have played against but you played in games like this where it's like hey you guys have a pretty good feeling you're going to win this game what's the matchup that's the most important to you heading into a game like this uh I mean, it's funny you say that because, like, the games that I play, I probably remember Buffalo my junior year. It's probably one of my worst games I ever played. <laughs> really? <laughs> so when you, yeah. I mean, maybe it's just kind of what you're saying. Like, all right, we're supposed to win, being on point. Got beat for, a, I think, it was a like a pitch pass. 
oh, pitch pass, I wasn't playing my keys. But I think it's just like being locked in, right? Especially coming off the that night game against West Virginia, everybody's going to be hyped up their first chance. It'd probably be a good outing. And that second one just being playing uh, fundamentally sound football across the board is what you're looking for. But to isolate a position group, it's kind of hard because I think the matchups against Delaware, I don't think there's one worth diving into. But if I were to say one, I would think on the outside perimeters, right? When we just think of receivers getting into that game after we say the first game is more of a running attack or making sure that the running game is established. I think you see them come out and get comfortable throwing the ball a little bit, getting ready for Illinois the Illinois the following week. But so I would say the receivers. Um, for the second week to like really hone in and see what they got, whether it's from a confidence standpoint going out there and just having better athletes to open up the playbook a little bit to see what they have. As an athlete, you touched on the receivers. I remember playing high school ball and a coach saying, hey, this is going to be a competition to see who the starter, the second, whatever is until, you know, like into the season until we know who the guy is. How unsteady is that feeling i don't know if you ever peer you know personally experienced it but how that, that can't be easy to go into full game action multiple weeks into the season and kind of be battling there's there's probably four five six different guys that are going to be competing for consistent reps in the wide receiver room yeah it should put you in a mentality of take advantage of every opportunity you get right make the most of it whether it's you make a cash get up turn some yak turning some yak into the play. And um, I think that's the culture that they've created at Penn State, though. We talk about a competitive culture where they're used to competing on a daily basis. So to compete on Saturdays or to get on the field, hopefully should be second nature. Hopefully. We'll hopefully. see. It's going to take uh, a couple months, I think, especially Aller plus the wide receiver core figuring itself out. Uh, not to mention competition at tight end. I want to throw that out there. I sure. think that's going to be important as well. Uh, week three, September 16th at Illinois on Fox. That's a noon kickoff. This game, I know there's a lot of people out there that are nervous about this game and nervous about the game that follows at home against Iowa. But let's start with Illinois. Am I the only one who's not as nervous about this because of the talent that Illinois sent to the NFL this past NFL draft? That's fair. I mean, uh, that's fair. I would I would think kind of in the same light um, with the guys that have gone on. They had a top 10 draft pick at corner. Uh, yeah, I don't really have – they don't have too much like like in terms of worry for that game. I was more so looking at the, the Iowa game because I, I do feel like you're saying when you talk about just the talent acquisition over the past three, four years and even like the NFL players that went off from Illinois last year – they were developed developed guys that weren't as talented as some of the guys that are on Penn State's roster. So even filling those gaps going into week three, I'm not too concerned um, from the position standpoint. I think again we can go to the tight ends in, in that in that frame, just on a, a position group to lock in on and the production against Illinois from the linebacker spot. For me, you know, I, I don't underestimate Brett Bielema and being ready. Hell, I attended the nine overtime game that Penn State lost at home to Illinois. It was horrific. It is the best way to describe it. It was terrible. <laughs> and I think everybody within Huluba Hall and the Lash Building would agree with me that it was terrible. 
However, this game on the road, yeah, I think it does change things a little bit. It gives Illinois a little bit of a boost. Uh, Stutkowski is expected to be the starting quarterback this coming season. He got some reps last year, so they are replacing a starting quarterback. That is never a small task. And at the same time, the Brown brothers have gone on to the NFL. You have your second, third, and fourth top-producing running backs back this season. So is that a three-headed monster? Uh, who knows? We know Brett Bielema loves to run the football. I guess my only worry going into this game is that if Illinois makes this a ground game, is the interior of Penn State's, uh, Penn State's defensive line prepared to handle this type of ability in week three? Week three, <clears throat> I just realized this at 11 a.m. So it's like a little time change. One of Good those, point. yeah, one of those early yeah, games you get fine. up and going. So I think that you hit it right on the hit it right on the head with the defensive line coming out and playing a physical game, especially when the backbone of their team seems to be the running backs. So I mean, I think that's a fair a fair assessment. Are you a fan of rivalries? Are you a fan of smack talk? Do you like to stand out from the crowd at tailgates? If so, check out Smack Apparel and see what their team has geared up for football season. Their Let There Be White tee is the perfect gear for all those famous whiteout games at Beaver Stadium. Or get straight to the point with the worst tee for all the Ohio State haters out there. Smack Apparel has the must-have tees for all your teams, including pro and college football, plus basketball, baseball, every fan is covered. Head over to smackapparel.com and use the promo code STATE10, that's S-T-A-T-E-1-0, at checkout for 10% off. Again, that's smackapparel.com, promo code STATE10, at checkout. Why we're boring when you can wear smack. Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. Maestro's has beard washes, beard oils, beard butters, plus hair gels and pomades. It's one brand for every man. Visit maestrosclassic.com. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com and use our promo code STATE20. That's S-T-A-T-E-2-0 at checkout for 20% off your order. Maestro's Classic, crafting a better you. We'll see how that one shakes out. I know there's a lot of people that have projected Penn State in 2023 being as uh, bad as eight and four or nine and three. And I think two of those losses that people think are potential are Illinois and Iowa. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with those games being losses, but I, I can understand why people might feel hesitant about a game like this. But personally, I, I have confidence. Uh, going into week four, uh, as you mentioned, at home uh, against Iowa, that's September 23rd. That's at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on CBS. This is the whiteout game for the season. You and I have covered it. This was disappointing that this was the whiteout game. Everybody was hoping it would be Michigan, but the TV networks are involved. So this is what we're getting this year, folks. But at the same time, I, I expect this to be a difficult game. I, I do expect this to be a difficult game. I, I My anticipation is that Penn State wins it, but... For me, Justin, I put a lot of stock in the fact that Iowa went out and finally got a freaking quarterback, and they got Cade McNamara, transfer from Michigan. They got Eric All at tight end, also transfer from Michigan. We know they like to run the ball. We know they like to do play-action pass, and this is a very difficult game now, I think, with McNamara at the helm. It just changes things. I think Penn State can still win this thing, but how does the defense respond to a competent quarterback under center for Iowa 
I think that's their bread and butter. Like to be completely honest, the Penn State defense, <clears throat> excuse me, but just from a talent standpoint, schematic standpoint, and matchups. To be completely honest, when you go across the board, I think Penn State matches up pretty well with uh, with Iowa. I think my matchup would kind of be the running backs. When you talk about a sound defense that Iowa plays on a consistent year in year out basis, separating factors most of the time has been the running back. I mean, the last time we played with Saquon, he literally, I mean basically took over the game by himself. You know what I mean? And that was the differentiating factor, especially with the top end linebackers that he had that they had at the time. And just how they play the style of defense that they play. So I think this will be a heavy load on the running backs. Again, another night game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um for you looking at this Penn State defense and knowing what that play action threat can be like with somebody the caliber of Caden McNamara. Is there a position group on defense that you're like, they've got to play a really sound football game? Young safeties, right? At the end of the day, you got Keaton Ellis out there. You got um, you got Zaki, you got a lot of guys stepping in, sometimes getting some first first year quality reps. So I mean Winston. Play, play, yep, yep. Those guys. And then I mean, I got lost my train of thought, but just making sure you stay like fundamentally sound key football from a safety standpoint when you talk about someone like McNamara that runs like play action type of offense that has the ability to run around a little bit kind of gets people off their kilter so I mean between the safeties and the linebackers I think that's essential to play sound football I feel good about this game it makes me nervous of of course I think Iowa is going to have a better year than last year where their best offensive play was punting but still this there's something about playing Iowa year after year. It just doesn't make you feel comfortable no matter what the situation is. And I, I think this is a you know a, a slight comparison. At worst, if Iowa really runs the football well and really makes life complicated for this Penn State defense, you see the we the way the wheels came off for Penn State versus Michigan last year. Now, before everybody freaks out, this is not the same type of team. This is an Iowa team nowhere close to the ability of what Michigan is. However, the scheme is very, very similar, and that is a nightmare situation for Penn State fans. So I don't expect it to get out of hand like that, but I think it's an excellent test considering you do have Michigan on the schedule this year. Very true. So that is week four. And then into week five, uh, September 30th at Northwestern. The complexion of this game has changed entirely, obviously, due to recent circumstances. Pat Fitzgerald, uh, now the former head coach uh, of Wildcat football due to, uh, I I don't even know how to put it into words entirely, and just a a scandal that. Yeah, hazing incident, uh, scandal that I think, unfortunately, is an indictment on their entire athletic department, the inaction of of the, the front officer, the at the university, the athletics department, et cetera. It's disappointing, and I think it's something that Penn State fans can mildly relate to and see the way that something like this got out of hand. And obviously what happened at Penn State, I would say, is probably far worse, but I don't even know if we really know the extent of what happened in Northwestern. My anticipation is that this is going to be one of the worst Northwestern football teams fielded and that they were already expected to be pretty bad going into this season. However, I've said it multiple times, playing Northwestern is like getting dragged down in terms of the play of the game. You have Mm -hmm. to play a smart, disciplined, leather helmet football game. Without Pat Fitzgerald as the head coach, I I do expect his style to still be reminiscent in the way this team plays, but you also expect there to be a drop-off in talent. 
you expect there to be a drop off in overall performance and who knows what this coaching staff is really going to be able to do in 2023. So for me, um, man, I, I, I don't know what this game is going to look like now. I, I feel good Penn state wins, but the, this feels like it could be a blowout. Yeah, it's a mirror game, right? Like you got to look in the mirror, making sure that when you get there, that starting the game, probably be a noon game, but in Chicago, low motivation, making sure that you don't fall into any traps, but that's the, that's the main thing in that game. I think the mirror is the position group. So everybody looking at the mirror and taking care of business. And just a sidebar on this entire Northwestern thing, what's your feeling about the entire situation? Because this is a program that I think a lot of people like Penn State have seen the kind of success with honor model. And then some of the things that come out about hazing, it's just been, it's been ugly. Yeah, it, it is ugly, right? Especially when you talk about team sports and the coach, how much they know, organizational control. I, I mean, I come, I come from a space where, you know, football, I mean, we didn't do much hazing, but you talk about in the NFL or different areas. Yeah, there's limits to it. I mean, and I, it's the head coach's job to make sure that he knows everything that's going on. So I kind of leave it at that. I mean, because it does get real sticky and it's not a clear black and white on like who knows what, how is this going down, like who knows how things are operating because football operations are siloed out for that purpose, right? It's like mm -hmm. Almost like if you want to look at it, like the head coach is the mob boss, like you have someone that's in between what you got going on. So you can have, be abreast to things that you know, but I mean, let's not, let's be real. Like the, head, the top people in this profession make 10 million bucks a year and to keep their job, you have to operate with 110 guys to get them ready to go. Whatever that, whatever the, whatever the operation or whatever you do to get people embedded into the program, I mean, you just can't do what they were doing in today's time and just having more checks and balances. I mean, again, I, I leave it at that because all this stuff in football, everything in football gets hairy. So like if we want to just start being the police of everything, I don't think anyone wants to pull back the current in any program. So like, that's just, <laughs> that's just me. Yep. And, and listen, Penn state fans have lived this. The Penn state program has lived this and I would say far, far worse. So right. um, it, it's, it's unfortunate. Uh, it's, it's extremely ugly. And considering that Northwestern has put hundreds of millions of dollars into this program in the last handful of years, new facilities, new field, new you know, renovations, et cetera. This is, this is a big step back. Yep. So uh, that is, uh, let's see, that is week five, uh, week, I can count, right? Yeah, that's week five. Week six, <laughs> after uh, a bye week, uh, picking things back up on October 14th at home against UMass. Uh, as of right now, that's a 3.30 p.m. Eastern kick. This feels very similar to the Delaware game in that you better handle UMass and especially off a of bye week. Chance to get healthy, chance to get your mind right because the next week you go to Ohio State. So how you handle the proverbial trap game, even though it's like, eh, it's not really a trap game. This is an opponent that's far beneath you. I don't think it's a trap game coming off of a bye week because you're, you're excited to kind of get out there and play and do what you need to do, get into the groove. Not that you're going to look past that Ohio State, but... I need to be tight going into that next game. So I you use it as a get the rust off from the bye week. So I'm not actually, I'm not too concerned about the UMass game, but we can jump into the Ohio state. So you kind of like it as the, Hey, you had a buy, you had a chance to get, you know, healthy if you need it. And then it's like, Oh, you almost kind of put the training wheels back on before you face the big boys. I'm not to be disrespectful, but not a tune up game, 
But you know what I mean? You get out there and you run around, feel good, making sure that everything's healed up from the, the bye week. New plays maybe installed. Get in, get out. <laughs> I always feel bad uh, going after UMass. Our boy Adam Brenneman, you know, played at Penn State, then he went to UMass and did some awesome things. So no disrespects uh, against the Minutemen. No disrespect whatsoever. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> the following week, October 21st at Ohio State in the horseshoe. Uh, I mean, lock down you, man. That's the that's where my eyes are at that point. When we talk about the receivers versus the DB battle, I mean, specifically, not to hype it up, but a little Harrison King action. Uh, mm-hmm. Seeing like, how okay. that whole thing plays out, I think that's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, just historically, the receivers at Ohio State have been top level, and so have the defensive backs at Penn State. So see that operate with – our new quarterback and the way that we approach defense. I'm excited. There's a lot of matchups I think that are important in this one. And I want to go one by one last year, the pass rush by Ohio state stellar JT Tui Maloa was unreal. Um, Is Penn state's offensive line prepared to handle that this year? Yes. I think there's a much better offensive line than, I can't say much better, but there was there was a there was an injury that game, if I remember correctly. With the was that the right tackle? Blanking which game? I believe, yeah, I believe it yeah. was. Yeah. Was it Caden? Yeah, I think somebody. Yeah, he it Caden was hurt. I want to say maybe Bryce Efner was in. Efner, yeah, you're right. Efner yeah. and uh, Nelson saw a significant yeah, amount so of time. That wasn't a typical offensive line. So I think just from a whole offensive line unit, I think you're talking about upgraded talent, upgraded cohesion, especially by week seven. Um, yeah, I think there's a different outcome there. And then that game last year, uh, a lot of turnovers. And, and granted, everybody's going to pin a lot of turnovers on Sean Clifford if you really go back and you analyze the turnovers from last year. There were some things that were his fault, and there were some things that were just not his fault. Mistakes made at multiple positions that led to those things. Uh, but is Drew Aller in that position necessarily going to thrive where Sean Clifford struggled last season against Ohio State yeah I mean you would hope so you hope he would thrive right like you would like I mean it's going to be interesting it's hard for me to make predictions in that type of game because that's going to be a dogfight against Ohio State so he's going to have to come out there and hopefully by this point in the season that they have a rhythm in terms of running the ball passing nice balanced attack I don't know how much he'll have to like do in that game. To be completely honest with you, like, <laughs> I mean, Penn State defense, Penn State receivers. First, uh, again, my thing is like leaning back onto the running backs, running backs and tight ends yep. for that first year quarterback. Like, with those being a level of the bread and butter, I think you operate that right with the OC calling the plays that he does. I think you can have some trust in the offense attack against them. Here's another thing in this game. I don't necessarily know if we're getting the next guy on the assembly line of outstanding Ohio State quarterbacks this year. There's been a battle. It's not necessarily been a clear-cut situation where, oh, they know who the next guy is. They obviously have a lot of talented guys uh, in camp and in that quarterback room. But we were, we've talked about this a number of times on this show, is that even Ohio State, they're really not going to know who their guy is until about this time in the season. And if this is a situation where it's a guy that's not as talented as a C.J. Stroud or is 
struggling to find his footing. You know, this doesn't matter if you have the best receiver core in college football. If you can't get him the football, it, it doesn't really matter. I, I think there's an outside possibility this is low scoring because if you've got a first-year starter in Drew Aller and a first-year starter from Ohio State, it might not be the prettiest dogfight for sure. No, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I can definitely see that. I mean, but I mean, there's a lot of athletes on Ohio State and a lot of athletes on Penn yeah. State. So, like, I, I don't think it's going to be a dull type of three yards in a cloud of dust because there's just a lot of speed on the field <laughs> at the end of the day. So. I think it's just a matter of getting guys in space, and I think that's what Ohio State has always done. Mm-hmm. Like, is get their speed in space, even when it's not like a highly skilled person per se, but just a lot of horsepower on that team. So as long as we kind of keep that stuff bottled up, and I mean, we have an elite secondary, I mean, elite defense. I don't know if it's going to be low scoring. <laughs> I don't know. And that's the beauty is we were talking about this in July. This could right. go either way. That's the thing. I think it's a really fascinating matchup. And this is, in my opinion, the first of the two potential stumbles for Penn State in the regular season. But time will tell. The following week, October 28th, Penn State returns home and they take on Indiana. It's Military Appreciation Day for all of you that are interested in that. Uh, against Indiana. This is a program that's unfortunately been declining for the last few years. It looked like there was some promise a handful of years ago, and they had really burst on the scene, it looked like, but it just doesn't seem like from an athletic ability standpoint they will be able to really hang with Penn State. The way Penn State hung them out to dry last year, there were plenty of people going into that game who were disappointed in the performance of Sean Clifford and were calling for that to be Drew Aller's first start. Sean Clifford turns around and has a great game. The rest of the team also has a stellar game, and they blew the doors off of Indiana uh, in Bloomington. Um, what's an important matchup for you in this game? Linebackers. Like, I think the linebackers and quarterback, to be completely honest, because like Indiana typically has a pretty mobile quarterback that makes things happen, whether you talk about play action, moving the pocket a little bit, and just making sure they're playing assignment, football and making plays to be completely honest, because that's where I think sets the tone of kind of wiping them out of there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I feel very similarly Um, and no disrespect to Indiana. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this game. (laughs) No disrespect. Uh, The next week, uh, November 4th on the road against Maryland. For me, fake rivalry. Fake rivalry, a thousand percent. Uh, <laughs> shout out to my buddy Mojo Mutati, former Maryland Terrapin. Fake rivalry, not a real rivalry, especially when the game is in Maryland. There are more Penn State fans in College Park. A hundred percent. To me, here's the matchup: Talia Tagovailoa versus Manny Diaz. I understand there are plenty of pundits who like what Talia Tagovailoa could be, and everybody wants to compare him to his brother. Talia, I think, has more physical gifts than Tua. But from a mental standpoint, when he makes mistakes, he gets very frustrated. He gets very emotional. And I didn't see him outgrow that problem last year. I think there are people who are expecting him to. I don't think there's a ton of weapons for Maryland necessarily this year. And frankly, Penn State poaches most of them. Uh, Thank you, Chop Robinson. Uh, (laughs) This seems like a game where Manny Diaz's entire defense versus Talia Tagovailoa. I like what Manny Diaz can do here. What about you? I would have to completely agree. I'm a big fan of Manny, and especially when you're talking about a quarterback like that. And just, 
phone fell, but sorry about that. <laughs> but especially going against an offense like uh, the Maryland Terrapins and having a little bead on what they do because Josh Gaddis is the offensive coordinator who we know very well at Penn State and play, I mean, coach under Joe, Joe Paterno, coach under James <laughs> for a little bit and had some of the nice receivers that we've had here and did some good jobs re- recruiting, but understand his offense a little bit and how they attack uh, different areas. I don't know if they have the personnel to do exactly what I know Gat likes to come out with. So I think I give the the nod to Manny on that one. Yeah. And and for the record, I like what head coach Mike Loxley is all about. Spent a lot of time in Alabama, appears to be a good man and have his head on his shoulders and has the program potentially going in the right direction. Uh, and I think just signed an extension there. Uh, Loxley, I think, is an outstanding head coach. I just don't see this going Maryland's way. One of the great recruiters, too. He recruited me when he was at Florida and had me committed there. Hmm. There you go. There you go. Uh, Next week, November 11th, at home against Michigan. This is a noon kick uh, as part of Fox's uh, big noon kickoff show. Uh, It is a stripe out. This is not the whiteout, people. Sorry. It's a noon game. Fox likes their primetime spot. This uh, is the second of two potential stumbles, in my opinion. Uh, what is the matchup you're looking at in this game? Because I, I think, like Ohio State, there's a lot you could look at. D line. I'm going straight. I'm going straight with the defensive line, man. With uh, Michigan has been one of the few programs in the whole entire country that built an identity for the past six years of physical, smash mouth football, recruiting big guys big players from the running back standpoint and from the offensive line and we've seen what they've been able to do with that infrastructure of a team so with that being said i think it's imperative for penn state defensive line to really show up in this game because the whole michigan program has been built around a pretty strong running game running tag mm-hmm. behind the offensive line and power so like that's where my eyes is leaning on that what gives me angst going into michigan games Angst is the perfect word. Yeah, uh, Michigan's O-line against Penn State's D-line. We've talked about it, the concerns about the interior, the Penn State defensive line. Hopefully at this point in the season, certain guys will have stepped up and they will have proven what they are or will not be uh, going into the back end of the season. For me, it's has J.J. McCarthy taken the step to being more than just a mobile quarterback who's good in play action and even that i would say he's okay in play action uh has he taken that step to the point that he can take over a game and i know a lot of people will point towards the game michigan had against uh, tcu in the college football playoff obviously tcu won that game an absolute shootout to me when tco and tcu had their largest lead i looked at the way the michigan offense was operating and it reminded me of navy it reminded me of army and that when they don't have a lead they can't get back into a game. Now, a lot of things happened, and J.J. McCarthy did play well in the back end of that game, but it does beg the question, if you somehow are able to stymie this Michigan rushing attack and you put it all on J.J. McCarthy, can he beat Penn State? I don't think he can beat Penn State by himself, but I think to the point of what you're saying, in in order to unlock that door to see if that question mark exists, you have to stop the run. Because, like, like they won't stop running the ball. Like mm-hmm. if you can't stop it. So like, that's the one thing that scares, that scares, brings me angst about Michigan is that they will not deviate from the game plan. Like they haven't deviated from the game plan 
of this being their attack for like the past six years of building the team. So anybody that's committed to that type of team building and form like formation, I think you stop that because uh, it's like playing with JJ is a level of a wild card where we want to open up that wild card and let's see if we can stop because I think once it comes to that, I think on the perimeter, even in the past years when we they were running the ball up and down the field on the perimeter, it was a evenly matched game. I would say that Penn State had the the better end. I mean, you just look at the pass breakups and the different stuff that they try to do on the outside. But if you don't stop the run, you don't get a chance to defend the pass. So I think that's the number one thing going into Michigan. For this one, we've talked a lot about the the Michigan offense against the Penn State defense. So let's let's flip the field a little bit. Sure. How do you feel about Penn State basically sticking to virtually the same game plan the Michigan offense will stick to in this game, and that is don't abandon the run. Uh, I think they have to mix in a little bit, right? Michigan has a pretty talented, I mean, not pretty talented, very talented corner as well, um, the Johnson kid uh, on the on a, on the perimeter. But, I mean, I think you attack them from the tight ends and open it up, and this will be a great game to have some passing attacks from the receivers, spread them out a little bit. Like when you build teams to be big, strong, and that, like they might lack a little bit in speed in the perimeter um, skill level. So like you spread them out on offense and get Nick Singleton in space. And then you also have a player that can crease them like a Catron Allen. So I think, again, that with the dynamic that Drew Allard brings in, where it's like the big play threat. And hopefully by this time of the season, the playbook's fully open and, guys are rotating it and we're kind of airing it out in a balanced attack so actually I actually feel pretty good about them especially when we think about the offensive line being um the brick squad being patched up I, I, I gives me a lot of confidence in the depth that Penn State offense can roll out mm-hmm. and this is the point in the year where if you're able to be healthy and relatively healthy going into this game you feel a lot better about it because that, that's that's any team at this point in the year. And what part in the calendar is this? November, November 11th. I mean, if your team, your starting, your starting lineup, hell, your top two at each position are in relatively good health and available, you're feeling really good going Absolutely. into the back end of the season. Uh, after this, back home, senior day, November 18th versus Rutgers. No disrespect to Rutgers. I don't think Rutgers does very well in this game. <laughs> No, but they're a physical football team, man. Yeah. Shannon's going to have them ready to play. So I think that's another – I mean, I think it's beyond a mirror game. I think you have to come out and you you have to play tough against them because, like, regardless of whatever the case may be, Rutgers teams play hard, and they always yeah. get up for Penn State. And, you know, Shiano's a former Penn State somewhat disciple. So he's going to have those guys ready to, to go. And mm-hmm. – just Shiano coach team. Like even when he was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they got people hurt. <laughs> They're a physical football team. So you just got to yeah. get out ready to play so we can get into the final game again, healthy. Quarterback play is always an issue for Rutgers. It's just finding a consistent threat at quarterback. They've struggled with that in the last few years that Penn State has played them. So I do expect this to be a really fun day for the Penn State defense altogether, especially that pass rush. Uh, finally, last game of the season at Michigan State. This is on November 24th. Uh, this is a Friday game, and that'll be at Ford Field, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on NBC. So some 
Uh, bigger exposure, bigger field, bigger platform, all those things, something uh, the, the television networks, NBC especially, have tried to cultivate, and uh, there's an opportunity. At the same time, you know, this Michigan State team, some of the departures during the offseason, a la Peyton Thorne, um, number one wide receiver, whose uh, name escapes me, uh, Jalen, oh, I forget his last name, is off to Florida State. And, man, I, it just feels like what Mel Tucker is going to feel this year is going to be a little bit down and that the, the expectations for him and what this team could be two years ago were something completely different than what they could be at this point in the calendar. I would definitely agree. I mean – Playing up in Detroit, Michigan State always plays a tough game at the end of the year against Penn State. So, I mean, I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk by any means. But this is a, another linebacker game, linebacker safety game that I would think when just their attack on how they run the football, Mel Tucker's approach to offensive game plans and things of that nature. I mean, I think it's going to be a linebacker safety type of game. Uh, Jaden Reed, excuse me, I had the name wrong. Jaden Reed uh, and Keon Coleman. I mean, Coleman, actually, I'm sorry, I think is the one that's off to Florida State. I think I'm all over the map with that. But still, it seems like there's going to be a bit of a talent drop off here. There's a potential for Penn State to have a big day, I think. Running the football defensively, we're, we've got to see what they are at quarterback at this point in the year. And they are pretty good at Michigan State about putting out disciplined quarterbacks nobody that's really gonna light the world on fire but Peyton Thorne had some moments again Penn State in the last handful of years where he can make some moves uh obviously he's off to I want to say Auburn and uh there's just I don't know this just doesn't feel like the same Michigan State game and especially going into 2024 2025 where uh Michigan State is not even a protected opponent of Penn State and that horrific land grant trophy uh, I will be very excited <laughs> to see this game uh, change, I guess, going forward. Yeah, it should be interesting. Yeah. I always like playing Michigan State to finish off the season. Yeah. But overall, you know, looking at this schedule, and I said it before, there are people who have said they could see this team being as as bad as 8-4, and 9-3, and three, and there are definitely the optimists who see them going undefeated, even 11-1 and one or 10-2. and two. Uh, I, I tend to lean more towards the 10 and two range if I were to put money on it. And I'm not asking you to necessarily pick, you know, winners and losers at this point in the year, but just as you look at it and we'll, we'll get closer to how this really feels once we're into training camp, we understand who's winning the appropriate position battles, the overall health of the team. But the, the optimism that we keep talking about when you really get in the weeds about these games, you, you can see it very clearly. And my question to you is, how do you as a, as a team and a coaching staff not allow yourself to, to look ahead? Because there's definitely games on this schedule that are, are look past games. I mean, that's James's motto, one and oh, right? Like keeping it process oriented. And then when you're even in your process, right, coming out of a bye week, playing UMass, it's like, all right, the process is get back uh, full tilt against UMass, but also understanding and foresight that like, yeah, we're playing Ohio State. Because we gotta remember the expectations of this season, although it is one and zero, like there's a there's a there's a carrot at the end of the road. Like we gotta get to the playoffs and certain things of that nature. So I, the team coaches are completely aware of the critical games that they need to be. I mean, need to be ready for every game, but the critical moments and where there's typically laps lapses with the team or wherever they might have a drop off, but making sure that they're prepared for that and having depth throughout the season. When injuries do come and guys that are ready to play and fill in roles and make 
you know, key moments or key plays in the Michigan game, the Rutgers game, the Michigan State game at the end of the season. Like, I think that's what championship programs are built around. Finish. Finish. That's the important thing there. Um, thank you all so much for tuning in. Like, comment, subscribe, rate us. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. What do you guys think are going to be the critical matchups in each game? Which ones do you like? Which ones make you a little bit nervous? Which ones give you angst, in the words of Justin King? So thank you for tuning in, uh, and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter, at TheKing1 and at Tom Hannafin. State of State is presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.